Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, June the 9th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year A, proper week five, and the second Sunday of Pentecost. And on the Friday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, and this week of the church's calendar year. So we find ourselves back in the gospel of Matthew, closer to the front, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and then skipping ahead to verses 18 through 26. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and the verses 18 through 26. As Jesus continued on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. He said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. As Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call righteous people, but sinners. While Jesus was speaking to them, a ruler came and knelt in front of him, saying, My daughter's just died, but come and place your hand on her, and she'll live. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Then a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his clothes. She thought, if I only touch his robe, I'll be healed. When Jesus turned and saw her, he said, be encouraged, daughter, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that time on. When Jesus went into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the distressed crowd. He said, go away, because the little girl isn't dead, but is asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had sent the crowd away, Jesus went in and touched her hand, and the little girl rose up. News about this spread throughout the whole region. This is the word of God for us. So we get to the end of the week, and it seems like we're weaving together a couple of themes that have come up in the Revised Common Lectionary this week, including, I don't know if you caught it, but in Hosea chapter 5 through 6, we have this line of, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And it is a, a bit of a reference that we get here in Matthew chapter 9. It's probably why it was one of the you know, supporting and auxiliary texts of the Revised Common Lectionary this week. But nevertheless, what we have in Matthew, and you'll, you'll feel this if you read all of Matthew in large chunks, is that Matthew's got like his intro and his conclusion, and then like the heart of the book, there are five different sections that are stitched together. There's a teaching section of Jesus, and then a narrative about his ministry, right, stitched together. And then it's teaching and narrative, teaching and narrative, teaching and narrative all the way through. And the reason that it repeats five times, we believe that Matthew structured it this way because writing to a Jewish audience, they would have wanted to count in increments of five because of the five books of Moses. And uh, from beginning to end of Matthew's gospel, there is this um, anthology to Moses and the law and how Jesus is upstaging Moses. And he's the new lawgiver that the people of God follow, right? So it seems to be something that uh, Matthew has in mind. 
You and I will notice that these two uh, stories from Matthew 9 are located in other synoptic gospels as well. And if you compare them side by side, you might see some differences. Uh, for instance, um, the Matthew is called Matthew here in Matthew 9 is called Levi and other uh, other editions of this and so on and so forth. Um, if you look at the ruler's daughter story from uh, Matthew 9, starting in verse 18, the second story that we shared today, if you go to Mark chapter 5, which is its parallel, you notice that like uh, there's a couple of things that... Um, that Jesus does. I mean, it's basically the same story, but when in regards to like the woman with the issue of bleeding, uh, there's more of a, like who touched me? Jesus seems to be uh, inquiring about who might have done this. Um, he doesn't locate her right away, but still more or less the same storyline. And then the same thing with the healing of Jairus' daughter. Uh, it's called the official son here, kept in anonymity, but uh, Mark gives the name of Jairus, who's a synagogue ruler at that time. And so, Good stuff. This is kind of the stock stories of Jesus. And I guess a couple things to consider is this. Just keep in mind the types of people that Jesus wants to be around. Uh, He gets chided here by the Pharisees and prominent religious rulers because he's hanging out with the wrong people. I mean, he's calling Matthew a tax collector and he's partying with Matthew, making him one of his disciples, right? And there really is like this jump ball, right, in Matthew chapter 9, the second story Jesus has two women with uh, needs. There's like a kind of this anonymous woman who's drained her bank account trying to amend her issue and internal bleeding problem. And then there's like this ruler's daughter, you know, who also needs is desperate need of help, right? Uh, who the you know the ruler says she's died, right? And so uh, obviously like two very important things to try to attend to and instead of going right to the ruler's uh, daughter's house in the ruler's house uh, Jesus you know begins to tend to this woman with an issue of blood she probably would have been ceremonially unclean until she purified herself in order to be among the community and you'll just notice that like Jesus uh, in that jump ball like he wants to you know talk to the woman who's more on dire straits than um, to amend the issue from the ruler prominent guy in town he, he addresses both of them to be sure it's not that one is better than the other or that the first one he addresses is more important than the other but he doesn't leave the like kind of the anonymous woman to the side in order to reach out to the a-lister right so he is among um, those who desperately need him and this goes back to something that we read in the, like the, the opening salvo to the sermon on the mount jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven best way to translate that is that blessed are those who cannot even help themselves for theirs is the kingdom those who understand that they're in a receiving posture they're not going to try to use faith in jesus to get something for themselves they just simply know that they're a person in need and so jesus walks this out doesn't he like he uh, goes out to the tax collector who everybody would have uh, despised jesus like actually i'm going to befriend him uh, Jesus binds up this woman who's anonymous. I'm given a name in this story. She's important too. He even calls her daughter, ascribes her a familial title, which is important, right? And then he also helps out this poor, you know, ruler of the uh, the village. Uh, his daughter, can you imagine how heartbroken he was? Lose a daughter and Jesus raises her up. And like, can we just go ahead and address like how weird that story is? Like everyone's grieving. The flute players are there. Jesus says one comment and they all like laugh hysterically. I've always gotten a kick out of that story. Anyways, what does this say? From top to bottom, Jesus is caring 
It didn't matter who's in front of him. He's not a respecter of persons. He obviously spars with those who are prideful in their religion. But if someone comes needy, it doesn't matter where they are, what um, bracket, tax bracket they belong to. Jesus says, I'll rock with you. I'll roll with you. Like you're my people, right? And I think that just reminds us that our posture is needing of God. And it's not like God like reminds us that we need him. So there could be like a crowd control element to this. I think he just knows that folks who come from a posture of receiving and they know that they have to, um, they, they get to attend to you being the source of their help. Like there's an authenticity, there's a vulnerability, and there's a higher chance that once we're transformed and changed, that we'll make room for others who are just as needy as we were or that we are and attend to their needs. There seems to be like a longevity involved. Jesus will say it a different way in this uh, encounter with, uh, you know, when he goes to uh, Simon the Pharisee's house, we see it like in Luke chapter 7, and a sinful woman comes and anoints his feet with oil and cries on his feet and washes her feet with her hair, right? Jesus says, those who've been forgiven much will love much, right? Like those who are in touch with our state, like we tend to, there seems to be like a cascading effect towards the good, right? We, we're grateful, we worship, and we also serve because we know that there are a lot of others who are in need of God, just like us. And we're not going to try to control them or, you know, um, I don't know, try to, we're not, we're definitely not going to judge them because we know that we're in a, you know, very vulnerable plight ourselves. And so we are just more capable of being the hands and feet of Jesus when we're in touch with our need of God. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice today because you are a God of grace. You're the one who desires mercy and that sacrifice. We look for the brokenhearted, uh, not so you can control us, but so you can rescue and save us and put us back together. You think you're the, that carpenter repair type God who carved creation into existence that uh, twisted together both land and sea so that they could touch one another and how you seem to stoop into the clay from the dust of the ground. You made humanity. You crafted us into your image and your shadow, and uh, you allow us to have life and to share that life in you. And so we thank you that we are in entanglement with you. We'd rather be, this is the only place we want to be. We want to be with you and nowhere else. And so God, this day, we thank you that as we continue to remain open and humble of heart, that you continue to transform and shape us, and that you actually shape the world through us as well. And so God, it's our desire as we go to workplaces and as we uh, dwell in communities today, that you would empower us to be people we get to see re the repair of the world, you know, repair of lives all around us. And so, God, we remain humble and open. And we say, Heavenly Father, use us uh, to help advance your kingdom so that we could witness your loving kindness to the ends of the earth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey there, friends. I'm getting excited because the 1,000th episode of Winter Rise is set to air on June the 22nd. We're getting close, just a couple of weeks out at the time of this recording. And um, it's just a great milestone, something to celebrate. And what I thought about doing is gathering together like a compilation of voice memos from you, um, just to share how you use the podcast, how it's been helpful, putting those all together. And so if you'd like to submit something, just a couple of things that you could do for me, you might just record a voice memo on your phone and make it just about a minute long. 
and send it to joeskillen at hotmail.com. Yes, friends, the Hotmail account still is active <laughs> for when I rise. Uh, if you could do that by June the 21st, that'd be great. That'll give me a couple of days to put those together in like a bit of a compilation. I'm actually going to schedule that episode to go out on Saturday, June the 24th, so that we can continue to roll with our prayer practice every day. So we'll just put that on Saturday. So if you'd like to listen to it, it'll be then. So once again, 1,000th episodes coming up on Thursday, the 22nd. If you'd like to give me a one minute max voice memo, but your response to the podcast, please send it to joeskillinhotmail.com by the 21st. And then I'll put that episode together and it'll go live on the 24th that Saturday. So thanks for taking the time and thanks for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.